it was really statistical regression model and everything. So it really went into the white forest of what you can do with data. One question that really stuck with me was like, it's great to have data, but it's still data from the past. How Mm. do we make sense of it and draw conclusions on how to go forward? Welcome to The Office Chronicles, a podcast that asks the question, will the office ever be the same again? Hello, I'm Kirsty Groves. We are bringing you a bit of a treat. You may have heard that I went to the Lego Workplace Symposium back in May. I was honoured to be invited to join around 12 different organisations ranging from Adidas to Ericsson, Ikea to Mars, Google to Microsoft and a whole bunch of others to share learnings and insights around the ways of working and approach to workplace post-pandemic and beyond. My kids were jealous. My husband was jealous and I'm sure my friends got completely bored by all the stories that I was sharing about the incredible hospitality and the amazing campus that we were allowed to explore. So anyway, we are bringing you a three-part special that we co-produced with the Workplace Leader podcast and Sabine M, who interviewed me on their great show earlier in the year. Over the next three weeks, we will share our experiences from the Lego Workplace Symposium. The first part... And the subject of this episode is Sabine and I having a chat about the symposium itself and some of the big takeaways from it. And then during parts two and three, you're going to drop into some roundtable discussions that we held, which will cover four different hot topics. We're going to release these episodes over the next three Thursdays. So look out for them and enjoy. Hey, we're kind of regrouping because we saw each other in person, kind of did a, if you want to call it that way, podcast field trip. Felt yes. like in school. It was. It was a podcast field trip. That's so cool. I like that. Yeah. I took loads of notes. Yeah, yeah, me too. I have like uh, two pages in the book and I took also some digital notes. So I need to to merge them still. Mm -hmm. But should we tell people where we actually were? Yeah, let's tell them. That's if anyone, people don't don't know. I've literally told everybody I know, everyone knows. (laughs) So we went to Billund in Denmark to the shiny, I mean, it's, we can say shiny new because it literally has been opened up for about a month, the new Lego headquarters campus which was, you know, I think awesome is a really good word to use. It literally was, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I said on site, it still smells new, but in a good way, not a, not the gluey bad way that you might attach to it. So yeah. Yeah. It didn't smell of paint and chemicals. It actually smelled really fresh. Yeah. Um, It was really quite remarkable, wasn't it? As we were walking around for the first time. And I wonder what that was. I think it must've been there were literally plants everywhere. So it did take a trained eye to figure out whether they were real plants or whether they were Lego constructed plants because there were some beautiful orchids and flower arrangements. And, you know, just as you can imagine, these incredible creations that people had made around the offices, but then absolutely bountiful with lots of greenery and lots of really lush yeah, plants as well. And I wonder whether that was kind of why it smelled so fresh as well. Yeah. Or maybe even discuss that like a while back with someone, because sometimes, you know, hotel brands have their own smell or sense for the hotels. 
maybe it's a Lego air scent that they're using for the experience. I guess they're not, but... Well, I know I wouldn't put it past them, but I mean, it really did have a lovely smell. So yeah, they didn't mention it explicitly. So maybe we can tap them up and find out whether we can, we should be finding a Lego scent on the shelves coming to a store near you. For your Lego workplace experience in your home office. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the seventh layer of the Lego workplace oh, experience. Yeah. Well, or maybe the eighth. I think it's already seven. So it's like we're adding a new, yeah, right? we need to call them that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah so, so why were we there, Sabine? What was convening people and who was there? Do you remember? I do. <laughs> well, yes, I do remember as well. So actually Lego, the Lego workplace team had invited Pierce and us to their campus for a uh, workplace symposium to discuss about the hot topics, workplace design, workplace experience, all things around that. And among the participants were companies like Unilever, L'Oreal, Adidas, Nordea, IKEA. Spotify. Spotify, exactly. So a lot of companies you would recognize. Mm. Um, Not all representatives like working in the corporate real estate organization, which I think was actually good. Mm. What I found fascinating as well was someone working in the corporate comms team, some HR voices, which I think was the right mix. Yeah, I think that's a really good spot as well, Sabine. I think that was really intentional because I know, you know, for what we both know of Tim Ahrensbach and Sophie Fedders, and then also Meredith, who I know you met at the symposium, they work very closely with each other around the Lego ways of working and the workplace experience. And so I think collectively they pulled this thing together where they brought in those different perspectives and were doing the same thing with organizations. So inviting those internal comms or HR representatives to really talk about how the workplace experience and the ways of working within those organizations have been changing and and indeed what they're planning to do for the future. So yeah, I think that mix of people was really interesting and made for really deep and rich conversations. Yes, absolutely. And you could really feel everybody was very, very keen to exchange on things I think we ran out of time on the first day because there was so much discussions mm. going and questions around the scheduled talks. And mm. yeah, everybody was really excited. You could feel people love what they're doing, but they're also really curious to hear how they're doing it, what they could do better, what they could get inspired by. So mm. yeah, that was quite lovely to see, actually. Before we dive into the actual content, like the stuff that was talked about, Can we talk a little bit about the structure of the actual symposium and how they did it? Because I think there's a lot to be learned from the Mm -hmm. approach that they took to bring those people together. I think it speaks absolute volumes about the layers of experience that these guys put into their work environment. So yeah, although it was a two-day symposium, so Tuesday the 10th, Wednesday the 11th of May, we were invited, or those who were arriving in, and those who came in early and had the energy were invited to the chef's corner to cook together some dinner. I mean, that was great, wasn't it, Sabine? Because we both yes, went. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Head start into fine dining cooking for me. But <laughs> I mean, it was lovely. We had a great chef that took us by the hand and showed us things step by step. That's how I tend to tackle big tasks all the time, like breaking it down into the little manageable steps. Yeah. But I think it was 
like for the whole three days, so much thought was put into the informal parts. Mm. And I feel like those parts were actually the crucial elements to get everybody comfortable. And mm. like it immediately felt super friendly. Mm. And there was this aura of trust yeah. that things that were said there would be treated in an appropriate way and that you could hyphen mark confide mm. your pain points without judgment from anybody else. And I think that really goes back to the the high emphasis on let's cook together. Mm. Let's do this little introduction game where we, I love the question of like, which Disney movie would you like to live in and why? I mean, it gets you to know people in such a personal level. So mm. cleverly without it feeling unnatural or freaky kind of. Mm, very quickly getting yeah. to, to understand a different facet of somebody that you've never met before. Yes. Yeah, that was really cutely done. I think um, we all received a little Lego goodie bag, which over the two days kind of unfolded. There were a few things in there that were more official and, you know, for example, signing something to make sure that our kind of confidentiality, you know, was being, uh, and our, our data was being used in the right way. There was, but more importantly, or well, not more importantly, and also in those little goodie bags were a pen so we could write notes. So very practical. And then a Lego pen, of course, which is also very cool. But then of course, and then there were these little key rings and you had to find, there were pairs of them and you had to find the other person. And that's the way that you were not just kind of naturally sitting next to your colleague and therefore introducing your colleague. Yeah. You had to go and find that other person and then ask those questions. I thought that was a really nice touch and done really sensitively and at the same time in a really nice, fun way. I think you're absolutely right. And similarly, when they're explaining why they have a professional kitchen in their headquarters, I mean, it's like, what's that for? Why would you bother doing that? There are lots of different reasons for it, including the inclusion of employees and spouses and partners and also ex-Lego employees have a, a space called the People House where they are invited to come and, and hang out and be, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, really, really added a buzz to the whole place because it was constantly being used. And that is because Billund is, is not exactly, you know, a metropolis, and, you know, a place where lots and lots and lots of people are. So, you know, like lots of organizations, they have this challenge of attracting people to a, a very small city or a very small town that they would never otherwise go to. So providing that space for that social connection is really important. But on top of that, practically, I think from a creativity perspective, what Tim was talking about was how a lot of colleagues kind of struggle with the kind of the idea of creativity and, and the fact that creativity comes in many different forms. And what they wanted to do is have a very low barrier to entry for people to explore a creative process such as cooking and do it in a way where you can get to know other people. So I thought it was absolutely right, like Sabine, I think breaking it down into this little kind of ingredient steps and um, made it just such a lovely thing to do. And I felt like the people we met on day one, on day two, we were like, oh yeah, I know you. It was, um, it really went a very long way. It was lovely. All of that before the actual content had even started. Yes. Right. So just really well done. And then I do believe that we had a bit of a, did we have the tour first or did we yes, have? Yes, we had yeah. the tour first. We got to see the campus. Yeah. I think everyone was itching to do that anyway. So we got to have this tour of the campus and all the different parts of it. And then followed up by a presentation 
by Tim, which explained the thinking behind the campus, which was really fantastic. And I don't know, I mean, how much detail we need to go into around the campus itself, but essentially Lego Grouper were looking at activity-based working as a platform for their approach to workplace. And they learned just before the pandemic and then also through the pandemic that a sense of belonging was a really, really important piece that the kind of the more purest activities-based working approach wasn't really delivering for them. So they wanted to really bring in that sense of belonging. And then also, of course, the shift to a more hybrid way of working encouraged them to really rethink. And in fact, if you want to go into more detail around the thinking behind this, Sabine, I know you have a fantastic interview with Tim and on the Workplace Leader, and also I interviewed him and Anne-Sophie Fedders. So if you want to listen in more around kind of deconstructing the thinking behind it, please go and listen to those episodes. Great. So why don't we dive into kind of what we did, you know, what how the, the symposium was kind of structured, I guess, and then, yeah, the things that we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, after introductions, a couple of games, the campus tour, we started to go to the meat of things. And I think the first thing uh, we did was like three mini presentations around hybrid changes. I think the first one where we realized we're running out of time was when we were gathering hot topics that should be addressed because there were so many. I think we've, we like scribbled or actually you scribbled on two whiteboards to cover yeah. everything that was yeah. brought up as a hot topic to discuss. Yeah. But the hot topics we have actually covered for our audience, right? Or at least some of them. So we we can share some little recordings from that and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But then there were also scheduled deep dive sessions with a focused topic. And the first one that I joined, so you had to switch between groups because they ran in parallel. The first one I joined was the data-driven workplace. Uh, Yes, of course. Yes. Presented by Booking, who are like super advanced in their data journey. They even have a data scientist in their real estate team. Wow. And they're looking to hire a second one. So they really see the value of, of doing this. A key takeaway that I actually took from it was like the said so the plenary was really interested in like, oh, how do you do that? What data are you integrating? And they had like, it was really statistical regression model and everything. So it really went into the white forest of what you can do with data. One question that really stuck with me was like, it's great to have data, but it's still data from the past. How mm. do we make sense of it and draw conclusions on how to go forward. So that was the one that I was like, yeah, that's the one to tackle actually. Very interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you went to that because I couldn't be in two places at the same time and nor could you have been in the one that I went into, which was around diversity and inclusion and equity. And it's a really, really interesting topic where this one was actually led by Tim. So I felt like I had a kind of a a double Tim presentation that morning, but it was really interesting because it was a proper deep dive into this space. And I love the way that their kind of phrase around D&I or DE&I is everyone is awesome, which is quite great, isn't it? What they've done is they've spent a lot of time and they're still developing it around an inclusive workplace charter. And this is really about kind of getting, putting meat on the bones around how the whole workplace experience is an inclusive one. And so 
what some of the key takeaways, and I, I can't remember whether this was, I don't think this was actually an anecdote that Tim gave or somebody in the group gave, but it reminded me of just approaching it with a, an inclusive design lens. So in the same way as OXO, Good Grips is, um, will do kitchen utensils that are joyful for absolutely anyone to use, but they are very inclusive for left-handed, right-handed people or people who have um, mobility problems. It's that way that they're looking at it, which I thought was really, really interesting. And so what they've done is they've looked at all of their six layers of their workplace experience, and they have looked at that through the lens of, is this something that people can understand? Is it something that is inclusive for different personalities, neurodiverse approaches? Is this something people can read easily if somebody has any kind of difference. It's not assumed that what they do is they go at it from the they really rigorously from lots of different perspectives and they test it and trial it with people. And I think a really big piece that we're looking at is around the kind of the local context and how that changes. So they might have this global approach, but then they get right down into the nitty gritty around that and the importance of communicating compromises as well. That's actually, yes, if I were to say what's something that was a real aha for me, that was, it's all very well having a really great intent around DNI, especially when you're pushing it through into the experience in the workplace, but things are always going to go wrong. So how do you communicate that? And how do you communicate when something can't be done? So for example, if there's a door that you're trying to make accessible for everybody, but for some reason it hasn't been built correctly, how do you then communicate how you're, you know, you're rectifying that and um, and when that's going to be done? Just a really, really simple example like that. So yeah, and then creating choice. So defaulting to designing so that people have choice, gender neutral kind of working styles or working places or toilets, those kind of things or facilities, rather than enforcing one or the other, giving people choice, I think is a, a really, really great perspective that they're looking at. And then uh, the other one, I think we both went to the organizational models for corporate real estate. Yep. Right? And it was all about like, how are corporate real estate organizations set up? What are the reporting lines? We saw a lot of matrix functions, which mm. I found a little complicated, but I think it's like to get in the head. Yeah. Mostly. Uh, one remark that stuck with, uh, stuck with me the most was when someone said, you know, doesn't really matter if we're with finance or with HR because they had recently actually moved to HR. We're still the same company. We still have the same company goals. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I do remember that. And I also remember seeing some kind of scratched heads and quizzical faces at that point because there are other people in the room who are really struggling with the, the kind of gaps that they were experiencing. And I wonder, and my key takeaway was around being tethered to legacy. So what I found interesting was you could see how some of these organizational structures were, they were struggling with trying to understand where this new world of work and the responsibilities would fit. And in some cases, there were doubling up efforts or they were not communicating with each other, or there was just kind of a barrier to, to informational things going through. And what I found really interesting was how a couple of organizations had literally torn up the sheet of, you know, their entire structure and said, let's just start again and say, how should this be? And you can see a couple of others who were just kind of shuffling around kind of responsibilities to make sure that the wraparound experience was being supported by kind of right perspectives from the organization. Yeah. But I really like your point about, well, we're still, <laughs> we are still part of the same organization. I mean, it is as simple as that, but clearly, you know, there are lots of companies are really struggling with that. 
Yes, that is the case. Yeah. So yeah, so, you know, stop kind of rip it. If you were to start, I think for me, a kind of provocation from that would be, if you were to step back and start again, how would you reorganize it? Because that's precisely what a couple of organizations in that room have done. And one was, you know, is about to reveal it, you know, soon. So that's quite interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. And then um, we already have the hot topics that were discussed and that we show can show the fractions off. So the first one that I joined was, what's our why? Why are we doing hybrid work and flexible work? Is it for employee experience? Is it cost? And the general question, do we have a why or is it just a because? (laughs) So, (laughs) but you can hear for yourself what the answers were. I like that. That's so good. Yeah. And I, the first hot topic session that I had was hybrid pain points. And so, yeah, this was a really interesting one. And what I found interesting was that there was this perennial question of, do you force people to do a model? Do you not? And if you don't, then how do you get people into the office? That was very clearly kind of a starting challenge. So you'll hear all about that. But some of the other pain points that we talked about really moved into the either side of the hybrid fence, if you like. It's you know what it's like in the office versus what it's like at home and then how you make those two things meet. So we had four organizations in that kind of mini session talking about their experiences. And then the next one that I attended was around spatial design for flexible work. Really interesting comparing notes on how you you do things. And uh, one element that I found particularly interesting is like, yes, people want the flexibility and work models in those companies supported the flexibility, but then still the colleagues wanted the security of having their own space. So how do you assign, do you do assign space without assigning space was a really interesting question to, to go mm, over. Mm, that's very, very interesting. Yeah. So then the fourth hot topic recording that we have for you is around purposeful meetings. Now, this was interesting to me because the hot topic I just covered was around hybrid and we got into hybrid meetings. But then this went even deeper and a lot further because it was really thinking about how we meet, why we meet, really kind of teasing out the different types of meeting and and having shining a completely different lens on that. And so there's some fascinating insights around the things that the organizations within that, that little hot topic session are doing. And also just some really funny little anecdotes of the kinds of terrible meetings we've experienced in the past and how we can learn from those to create better ones going forward. Yep. I'm very uh, excited to hear about that because I have some stories of my own of terrible meetings. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I have some scars, like some psychological scars. Yeah, <laughs> can imagine bad meetings. Yes. Yeah, so great. So yeah, all in all, I think there was loads. I mean, I don't, I know you came away buzzing as well. There was just so much and there's so much that is still rattling around in my brain from that trip. And I'm sure the conversations are only going to help us all kind of think a little bit more about what we do going forward. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Office Chronicles, please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to our LinkedIn page where you can join the conversation and interact with others around some of the topics this show covers. See you next time.